Hello, this is Peggy Joyce Ruth. Welcome to our podcast and hope you enjoy this teaching. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org. We started a two-part series now on Satan hidden, and I'm just going to do just a real quick review for those of you that weren't here. Now, Satan was virtually hidden in the Old Testament. In 4,000 years of recorded biblical history now, Satan it was only mentioned three times by name in the entire Old Testament. When I started going through the Old Testament and studying this out, I was shocked to find that he was only mentioned by name three different times. But then, as soon as Jesus came, suddenly Jesus started teaching about Satan. He started teaching about satanic warfare. And in less than a hundred years of New Testament history, we find that Satan is mentioned 168 times by name. And then, of course, that's not even counting all the times when he was mentioned symbolically as the thief or the adversary or the enemy. And here, three times in the Old Testament and 168 times by name in the New Testament. Okay, now, why was he not talked about in the Old Testament? Well, it's because they didn't have any power or authority over Satan in the Old Testament. Now, Satan's supernatural evil deeds were very obvious in the Old Testament. All you have to do is just read through the pages of the Old Testament and you see all the evil things that were happening. But the people gave credit to God because they didn't know about Satan. They didn't know about Satan because they didn't have any power over Satan. He was kept virtually hidden. And I quoted Nelson Dictionary last week and several other Bible commentaries that said since the Old Testament people only knew one power, they only knew about God, they gave credit to God for every supernatural thing that happened, whether it was good or whether it was bad. And that's why when Jesus came, part of the reason for his coming was to clear up all the misunderstanding about the character of his father. See, Jesus came to show us now it was not God that was sending the evil. He came to show us that his father was totally good and there was no evil in his goodness to send. God is totally good. Our minds really can't even comprehend of, of how good God really is. And he doesn't have evil within himself to give. Now, the only scripture from last week that I want to review is John 1, 17 and 18. I'm going to be reading out of the New American Standard. So yours may say it a little bit differently. But the reason that I got the New American Standard 20 years ago is because Bible authorities say that the New American Standard is probably one of the closest to the Greek of any of the other translations. Now, even though some of the other translations were written before the New American Standard, the Wycliffe tr Translation and even the King James, even though they came first, the New American Standard is said to be more accurate. So I want you to write out in the margin, even if your translation says something differently, I want you to write out in the margin what this says. In verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses. In other words, it's talking about Moses. In the Old Testament, the law was given. But grace and truth now were realized through Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, praise God, grace was realized and truth, the total truth was realized in Jesus. They didn't have the total truth in the Old Testament. They only had a progressive revelation of God. But now, under the New Covenant, truth was realized. And in verse 18, it says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Okay, so right out in the margin, in the Old Testament, they had the law. But under the New Covenant, grace was given to us. 
the total truth was given to us. And in verse 18, even though no man had seen the Father except Jesus, Jesus came to explain the Father. Now, portions of the Old Testament scriptures now that give God credit for sending plagues that wiped out hundreds and thousands of people now, that was finally explained and understood under the New Covenant. Because Jesus came letting us know that it was the enemy that does the killing and stealing and destroying. He came teaching the principle of sowing and reaping, that what a man sows, he's going to reap that in return. He came teaching that evil doesn't come from God, but it comes from the enemy. And he came teaching that people open the door to evil through sin and through lack of knowledge. You know, sometimes it's their own sin. Sometimes it's sin that's been handed down in the bloodline. Now, this can be one of the most important teachings that you'll ever hear because the truths that we're talking about now, these are essential for us to be able to live a victorious life. Okay, now today, I'm wanting us to go ahead and pursue this just a little bit deeper. We're going to find that even in the Old Testament, even with their having a very limited knowledge now of Satan, we still see glimpses at times of their realizing now that there was an evil force at work. Now, you can see glimpses of where the Holy Spirit was giving them truth about this spiritual enemy. Even though it was hard for them to grasp this truth and to grasp the full impact of this truth, but we still see that they did have a limited revelation. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. You need to mark these in your Bible. I want you to look at 2 Samuel chapter 24. Now, you remember the story of how God has specifically told David not to number the people. This is a well-known story in the Old Testament. And then we find in verse 1 that it says, The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and it incited David against them to say, Go number Israel and number Judah. Okay, now with the revelation that we have now under the new covenant, we know that God's not going to tell David, don't number the people, and then turn around and incite David to go out and disobey the command that had been given to him. We know that. Some people will say, well, but it says that God did it. Okay, let's search just a little bit deeper into this. I want you to turn to 1 Chronicles now, chapter 21. I want you to see these things so you can realize that they did have a limited knowledge. It was a progressive revelation. Now, this is a different account of the exact same story. David had been told, don't number the people, and yet he was tempted and he fell for the temptation and he did number the people. Second Samuel had said that God incited him. And here, the same account now, exact same story but a different account. In chapter 21, verse 1, who does it say stood up against Israel and moved David to number the people? Satan. Okay, I want you to circle that now. This is one of the three times now when Satan is mentioned by name in the Old Testament. Okay, we see the writer now of 2 Samuel attributing the evil to God. And here we find the writer of Chronicles telling the exact same story and attributing this to Satan. So we're going to have to either acknowledge the fact that the Bible is contradicting itself or we're going to have to realize that Satan was hidden in the Old Testament for the most part. Now, it was not God that incited David to sin. You know, it was Satan that did it. Now, the writer of Chronicles understood something, had a little bit more understanding than the writer of Samuel. 
because the writer of Samuel didn't quite grasp the fact. But thank goodness for the writer of Chronicles. Thank goodness that he had a little bit more knowledge. He was understanding a little more of what was going on. Okay, now let me give you another example of a glimpse of this truth about Satan even in the Old Testament. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 33. Verse 1 says, Woe to you, O destroyer, while you were not destroyed, and he who is treacherous while others did not deal treacherously with him. As soon as you shall finish destroying, you shall be destroyed. As soon as you shall cease to deal treacherously, others will deal treacherously with you. Okay, now there are scriptures that, where they say in the Old Testament that God was the destroyer. And he's talking directly to the destroyer here. Now we know that the writer was not talking about God and he was not talking about God's angels here because God's not going to be destroyed and his angels are not going to be destroyed. Satan is the one destroying. He's the one dealing treacherously and he's the one that in time is going to be totally destroyed. So this is just another small glimpse of the enemy now being gradually revealed to the people in the Old Testament. Now actually this is a prophetic glimpse of what's finally going to happen to the destroyer. And you need to write out in the margin because this is a prophetic word concerning the enemy. Okay now I want you to look at 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. Now, the Bible tells us that the prime purpose of Jesus' earthly ministry was to overcome the power of the evil one. And I want to show you this in scripture. Now all the scriptures that I'm giving you today, you need to write them out in the margin. You need to mark them even in the front of your Bible. Because in 1 John chapter 3 verse 8, the last part of verse 8 says the Son of God appeared for this purpose. And then he says very clearly, he came for the purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. Okay, this was the purpose for Jesus' coming. Now, this explains why there was such a fierce conflict now between Jesus and these evil spirits while Jesus was on earth. His purpose for coming was to destroy the works of the enemy. His whole purpose was to come to overthrow the enemy. So no wonder there was a fierce battle going on. And then we find that following the resurrection and the defeat of Satan and the defeat of his demons, then Satan knew that it wasn't going to be long until judgment. And he knew that it wasn't going to be long until the carrying out of the sentence, which was going to be the lake of fire. And so what he has done, he has continued to be on this rampage. His warfare now is against those who are Christ's followers. That's why he has so much conflict with the church. Now, when Jesus cast out demons during his ministry, he was showing that the kingdom of God was a present reality. He said, the kingdom of God has come in your midst. And he said, if I cast out demon spirits by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He was showing that it was a present reality. Now, this was also a clear demonstration of his power over Satan and his power over all the demonic forces of sin and evil that were in the world. And now we've been given that same authority. In Luke 10, 19, it tells us that we've been given authority over all the power of the enemy and he will not be able to harm us. But we have to know that. We have to walk in that. That has to be a part of us. That's why it's so important for us to take these scriptures and meditate on these scriptures and walk in these scriptures until they become a living reality on the inside of us. Now, God hasn't changed. He didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. His character and his, his nature is the same. It's the same today as it was 6,000 years ago. Now, some circumstances have changed. When we moved from the Old Covenant into the New Covenant, circumstances changed, but God didn't change. 
For example, would it be acceptable today to stone someone when they were caught in adultery? There'd be a lot of people being stoned today. But see, that's changed. Would it be acceptable for the leaders today to have multiple wives? No, that's not acceptable today. It seems to have been fine in the Old Testament when David gave 10 of Saul's sons over to the Gibeonites to pay for the sin that their father Saul had committed. There's no animal sacrifice today, but that was a requirement in the Old Testament. See, it's okay in our theology to realize that a lot of things have changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament as long as we realize that God's character has not changed. But so many people, instead of realizing that it's circumstances that have changed, so many people think that God's character has changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and it hasn't. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever, just exactly as Jesus. Now, we're under a new covenant, so therefore there are some circumstances that are different. These New Testament believers now in Jesus' day, they were coming out from under the old covenant, and they were entering into a new covenant. And Jesus was getting ready to give them spiritual authority. See, they had never had spiritual authority before. That's what I mean by circumstances have changed. We have spiritual authority today. And those New Testament believers, they were just coming into that new authority. And his followers were going to have authority over the enemy for the first time. And so they were needing a clear distinction to know what was coming from God and what was coming from the enemy. And Jesus could not have made it any more clear than he made it because he said in John 10, 10, it's the thief that has been stealing from you and killing and destroying. But he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He very clearly said, a house divided is not going to be able to stand. Now, God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom cannot intermix. Now, we have so many scriptures clearly letting us know that Jesus' ministry now was to destroy the works of the devil. We've been taught that for 2,000 years now. We've had that taught to us. But these people in Jesus' time, they were having it revealed for the first time. And so that's why the Bible says that they were amazed. They were astonished when they were hearing these things. They were astonished when they saw Jesus taking authority over the enemy. See, it was taking a renewal of their mind to realize now that God wasn't the one and never had been the one to send that evil against them. So you can see why they might have been just a little bit confused right at first. But we should never be confused. There should never be a confusion in our minds. 2,000 years of New Testament scripture should have done something for us. And yet I find Christians all the time today confused over the authority, confused over the evils coming from, and that should never be. You know what it reminds me of? I don't know how many of you saw the older version of Walt Disney's Robin Hood, but those of you that saw it, if you'll remember, the sheriff of Nottingham hired some thugs and had them dress up like Robin Hood, and they were going to attack the queen's carriage. And so during the holdup, well, they referred to their leader as Robin Hood. And so naturally, the queen thought that this was really Robin Hood and his band that had come against her. And she believed that because of the deception. But the truth was that it was not Robin Hood at all. He wasn't the one behind the evil. See, the devil is a liar and he's a thief and he's the master of disguises. You know, if you look in the, the Bible, it lets us know that he poses as an angel of light. 
and his trick is to blame his evil on God. I think I referred to this last week, but you go in a room sometime with two little kids and they've done something they shouldn't do and they're both pointing to the other one. Well, that's exactly like Satan. He does these things and then he points to God. You know, God did it. I don't know how many of you know uh, Mr. Hanshell who lives here in Brownwood, but he was talking to me one day and he was stationed in Germany right after the Second World War. And he said that there was a band of men in American uniforms and they were going through the countryside and he said they were raping the women, they were vandalizing, they were just tearing up the countryside, just doing all kinds of damage. And the German people began to hate America because of it. Well, finally, these troublemakers were caught and they found out in reality that these were all Germans dressed in stolen American uniforms. Now, these ex-SS German soldiers were fighting their own counter-revolution, and they were doing this in an attempt now to get the German people to turn against America. Well, it was a shock when the people saw that these were not American soldiers doing them all the harm, because all this time they had thought these were the Americans doing it. In the same way, it's a shock sometime when Satan and his demonic troops now are publicly exposed, and you can imagine what a shock it was to the people in Jesus' time. See, things are not always as they seem. But when we look closely into the Word of God, we're going to find that it's not God who's sending or permitting the evil, no matter how much Satan tries to make us fall for that lie. Now, it was not God's will, it was not his permissive will for Adam to give his authority over to Satan. That was not what God wanted to happen. And yet, Adam did that. And God couldn't just override the authority then. See, that authority had been given to Adam. God had given the authority in this world over to Adam. He had given Adam a free will. And so that authority legally belonged to him. And when he sinned, he legally gave that authority over to the enemy. Therefore, God had to overcome him legally in order to take it back. See, the penalty of sin that had been committed was death. The Bible plainly tells us that the penalty for sin is death. And so someone sinless had to pay that death penalty. It had to be paid. It had to be paid in order to buy back then the authority that had been previously given away. And that finally happened when Jesus went to the cross. See, after Christ's defeat of Satan on the cross, then anyone who walked in the kingdom of light and took authority in the name of Jesus, anyone had authority over Satan and over his demons. But until the end of this present church age now, Satan is still the ruler over this fallen world until the sentence is carried out. Now I want us to look at four scriptures that very plainly tell us what Satan's present status is. He's been defeated on the cross, but he's still over this fallen world. I want you to look at John 14 verse 30. Jesus said, I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of this world is coming. Okay, so Jesus himself is calling him at this time. He's calling him the ruler of this world. Even though Jesus is calling him the ruler of this world, he's not the ruler over God's kingdom. I want you to notice the last part of verse 30. Jesus said, but he has nothing in me. He didn't have a foothold in Jesus' life. He didn't have authority over Jesus. But he is the ruler at this time over this fallen world. Okay, look at 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3. 
It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You need to circle that scripture. See, again, Satan is referred to as the God of this world. And I want you to notice that it's never God that blinds people and deceives the people. Satan is able to blind the eyes of those who are in unbelief. Now, as long as we stay in belief of this word, as long as we're believing this word, acting on this word, and making this word our final authority, he can't blind our eyes. There's a lot of people and they say, oh, I'm so afraid Satan's going to deceive me. Get in the word. Believe the word. Make the word your final authority. He can only blind the eyes of the ones who are unbelieving. But it's not God who blinds the eyes. It's the enemy. Okay, now I wanted you to notice here that he's called the God of this world. Okay, look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm wanting you to see the different references to the enemy. Okay, in Ephesians 2, starting with verse 1, Paul said, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. There was a time, he's talking to Christians, but he said there was a time you were walking according to the things of this fallen world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Okay, so here Paul's calling him the prince of the power of the air. Okay, this is just another title now for Satan as he exercises influence globally and, and within the different cultures. Because, see, his spirit is at work now in all of those who are disobedient to Christ. There's a spirit of the Antichrist in the world. And that's why there's so much turmoil. That's why there's so much misery out there in the world. There's a book that's called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And I've often thought, why was that book named that? The title should be When the World Doesn't Make Sense. That's what the title should be. God makes perfect sense. His word makes perfect sense. It's a person's involvement in the world that doesn't make sense because Satan is the God of this world, and he's the one who deceives. And it's his trick then to try to lure us into his territory so that he can destroy us and so he can get us to be deceived and not know where the evil's coming from. Now, Satan is the one who makes people sick, we looked at that scripture last week in Acts 10, 38, where it says Jesus was anointed by God and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So he's the one that makes sick. He's the one that harasses. He's the one that steals from us. He's the one that destroys until we learn to resist all of his schemes. And that's where God's wanting us to come to that place. Okay, the last scripture that I want you to look at is 1 John 5, 19. It says that we know we're of God and we know that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Okay, there's no middle ground. We're either of God, the world lies in the power of the evil one, and there's no middle ground. We're either going to be on one side or the other. People either belong to God and they obey God and they believe him and they believe his word and they make the word the final authority or they're going to live under Satan's oppression because the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Now Satan's called the ruler of this world. He's called the God of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air and it tells us that the world lies in his power. Now, these scriptures do not teach that God is presently in direct control right now of the ungodly world that involves sinful people and evil and cruelty and injustice. In fact, to the contrary, 
It's letting us know that the whole world, the whole fallen world is under the power of the evil one. Now, to accept what the word says about Satan being the God of this world doesn't take away from God's sovereignty. But we've got to be very careful in our theology to realize that God in his sovereignty chose then to give his authority in this world over to man. And he chose to give man a free will. God did that in his own sovereignty. That was his choice to do that. And even though God is sovereign for an allotted time now, Satan is still the God of this fallen world. Now, if God were going to control this world and, and make us puppets, then he would have just slapped the apple out of Eve's hand. And I wish he had done that, you know. But he didn't do that. Now, if God could have just erased and overlooked Adam and Eve's sin, he would have done that because he knew that Satan being given authority in this earth now was going to cost him a very high price. It was going to cost him the death of his son. Now there's three truths and all of these truths have to be understood together because if we don't understand them, then we are going to get into some deception. And those three things are number one, the fact that God is sovereign and in his sovereignty, number two, he gave a free will to man, gave man authority on this earth. God, you know, a lot of people say, well, God has the authority on this earth. He gave that authority over to man. He gave man a free will. And see, the sovereignty of God can't be taught without taking all three of these facts into consideration. Now, people who give God credit for everything that happens by constantly saying, well, God is sovereign, God's in control. What they're doing, they're leaving out two facts that cost God dearly. They're leaving out man's free will, and they're leaving out Satan's temporary earthly dominion over this fallen world. Therefore, God doesn't get credit for everything. He doesn't, and we're wrong in our theology when we do that. Now, the four scriptures that we just looked up that reveal Satan's titles now, they're not going to be totally taken away from him until Jesus returns and puts the enemy in chains. Now, based on these scriptures that we just read, the fact that he's the God of this fallen world and he's the prince of the power of the air and the ruler of this fallen world, we can realize now that the evil in this world is coming from Satan and we can realize the evil comes from sin in this world, the law of sowing and reaping. Now, in no way does God desire or cause the suffering in this world. He just doesn't do it. The evil things that happen, they're not God's will. They're not a, even a part of his permissive will. And yet, so many of the unexplained things in the world are still being blamed on God, even after 2,000 years of having the New Testament scriptures. It's kind of like a child wanting to ignore their personal responsibility, and they're constantly pointing to their parents and, and blaming the parents for problems that they have in their lives. See, a person has to allow in his or her theology that Satan is still the little g, God of this world, and that the things that happen and the terrible vials that are poured out are his doing by man's omission, you know, because we're not taking authority, because we're not doing what we're supposed to do, and sometimes by man's permission when we get into sin. Now, some people say, well, if Jesus defeated him, then why is Satan still around? Why isn't he in chains now? Because the final judgment has not yet come. That's why evil men are still doing their evil and they're still able to commit their evil deeds because the final judgment, the sentencing, has not come. Now that sentencing is going to come and I think it's going to come very quickly. But the sentencing hasn't been passed. 
Satan was defeated on the cross and his judgment and the carrying out of that sentence. Now it's inevitable and it is going to come, but it hasn't happened yet. And God doesn't have any use for Satan. He doesn't have any use for the devil. He doesn't have any use for sin. He doesn't have any use for calamity or pain or temptation. None of these things are God's ideas. None of these things are things that God's using in his kingdom. That's a part of a different kingdom. There's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. And all of those things are a part of the kingdom of darkness. And they came into being through rebellion and through wickedness. Things that are totally and completely outside of God's will. Now when people attribute to God works that the demons do, then they're primitive and they're immature in their understanding of their knowledge about demons as well as their understanding about God's character. Anytime that a person attributes to God the works that the demons do, or even when they believe that all these things are filtered through the fingers of God's permissive will, then what they're doing, they're approaching the Bible like an Old Testament believer who has a limited revelation. They're not approaching it like a New Testament believer who has more of the facts because of Jesus' ministry. You know, they might as well be under the Old Covenant because that's the way they're approaching it. And you say, well, what does it matter? You know, why does it really matter if God's blamed for Satan's works? And more than that, what does it really matter if God is the one that's permitting the evil? Listen, if you don't hear anything else that I've said today, I really want you to hear this because it will at some point make the difference between life and death in your life. Now, that can sound really dramatic, but it is so true. If there is even a hint in the back of our mind of believing that God is permitting something evil, permitting it for our good or, or permitting it to perfect us or to teach us a lesson. See, the Bible teaches us that he sends his word to perfect us. The Holy Spirit, the word of God is what he sends to us to bring us into the image of Jesus. But if we're believing that evil is coming at times to perfect us or to teach us a lesson, then we're not going to fight against it. We're not going to resist it. Peter tells us to resist it firm in the faith. But it's a scheme of the enemy to get us to see these truths as irrelevant and unimportant. And when he deceives us into that, then he can destroy us while we're giving God credit, you know. Because I tell you what, you're not going to fight against something if you think God's sending. If there's even a hint inside of your mind that maybe this is coming from God to perfect me or to help me in some way, then we're not going to resist because we're not going to fight against God. And little by little, we'll receive Satan's lie and we'll receive his harassment and we'll start blaming God until finally he's able to destroy us in some area of our lives. And that's why this is one of the most dangerous teachings in the body of Christ is when we're not sure about the character of God and we mix the two kingdoms and we don't know when to give God credit and when to give the enemy credit. There is a perfect line down the middle and those two do not blend together. There's not any gray area in the middle. It's either a kingdom of light or a kingdom of darkness. And God never wants us to mix the two up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you've made it so clear in your word where evil comes from. You so clearly told us how good God is and that every good and perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights where there's no variation, no variation, no shifting shadow. Lord, thank you that you've made it that clear. Father, help us that we'll never be guilty of approaching the word as an Old Testament believer who had only a limited revelation. 
Lord, thank you that here we are 2,000 years on this side of the cross. There should never be a question in our minds today. And I pray, Father, that you'll help us to take the word and determine we will not approach it as an Old Testament believer, but that we'll approach the word of God with the full knowledge that you've given us through Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening. Please share this teaching with anyone you think it would minister to. If you would like to listen to more in-depth teachings, please sign up for our Psalm 91 family at PeggyJoyceRuth.org.